You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpahawken Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So my parents are friends with a couple who have been part of their lives since before they had children. Um, I think they met when they were like in their 20s. And ever since then, they have um, helped each other with work projects and vacation together. They're a part of the same church. Uh, and they, they had four kids right around the same time that my parents had me and my three siblings. So we all kind of grew up together. And they're basically like family. About five years ago, they lost their house in a fire. They live in West Cocalico Township in a home that Randy, the husband, um, built himself in 1976. And on a Monday evening, March 17, uh, 2014, the house caught on fire and burned to the ground. There was a massive response of firefighters, but by the time they got there, uh, they could not save the house. Here's a picture of it. The, the, the house was kind of sits somewhat back in a, a wooded area, secluded um, a little bit, and the firefighters had to, they ran out of water several times while they were battling the blaze. And they had seven tanker trucks on hand to shuttle water from a fill site on East Queen Street. And the fire investigation determined that a bucket of ashes sparked the blaze. Nancy had gotten a bucket of ashes from their wood stove out uh, and taken it outside and put it out in the snow beside the back deck. And then they left for the hospital for, for Randy's scheduled foot procedure around like 8.30 in the morning. And by the time a neighbor spotted the fire and called 911, 45 minutes later, the house was full of flames. Here's some more pictures. Most everything was lost. It kind of seems unbelievable that a house could go up in flames from a tiny spark, that, that a bucket of what she thought was cooled ashes set out in the snow could cause such destruction so quickly. It's been five years since that happened, uh, and they've moved on, they've rebuilt their life and their business. And still when people talk about the story, my parents in particular, they're incredulous. They're recounting the details with this level of disbelief and sadness that this actually happened. Such a loss. Who would have thought? Nancy always takes the ashes out back how could the wind be just right that it blew a hot ash enough to land on the porch or wherever and catch fire? Government data um, through FEMA states that in just two minutes, a house fire can kill you. And in just five minutes, a whole house can be swallowed in flames. How does it travel that fast? How could it go from almost nothing to something so devastating? 
I was reading um, on the National Geographic website that in recent years, wildfires have burned up 9 million acres of land. A wildfire moves at speeds of up to 14 miles per hour, consuming everything in its path, trees, brush, homes. Uh, two years ago, out in the Pacific Northwest, in the Colombian Gorge, Columbia Gorge, excuse me, which, which is a canyon that stretches for miles, forming a barrier or boundary between Washington State and Oregon. There were some teenage boys who were tossing fireworks off of the cliff into a gorge, and one headed off into the, into the forest. Just hours later, 153 hikers in Eagle Creek area were stranded due to the fire, needing to be rescued. And within 24 hours, more than 3,000 acres were engulfed in flames. The nearby town of Cascade Locks was evacuated over the weekend, followed by five other towns. And by Tuesday morning, this had happened on a weekend, by Tuesday morning, a thick haze had blanketed most of Western Oregon and Washington states. And ash fell from the skies in Portland, accumulating more than an inch in some places. And the fire swelled to over 10,000 acres of land. Embers had also blown across the Columbia River and spread the fire into Washington as well. So these stories are a sobering introduction to give us a picture that James is trying to give to the Jewish Christians of the early church. His letter is full of instructions for how to live happily under God's rule. His, his letter is part of the New Testament. And he writes many sayings and wise instruction in a way that actually makes his letter sound kind of bossy. But it's part of what was known as wisdom literature that was widespread throughout the Middle East in the during the first century. And it's direct and instructional. He says, think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It's a pretty dramatic, negative statement. Many of us probably don't think about our tongue as having that much power. But his metaphor vividly and soberly helps us to consider the impact of our words, that our words can have. You can see the power of words play out in the media all the time. I was sick this week with the repeated use of the term underage women to refer to Jeffrey Epstein's victims. Instead of girls, or minors, or children, the use of underage women tries to mask the intentionality of his abuse. It's like the words kind of subtly erode the girl's innocence. They, they reveal a disturbing cultural impulse to empathize with certain accused men, often powerful, wealthy, white men. No, they are children. 
Words can be used to undermine those who have less power and can subtly destroy their humanity in our own minds and hearts. Words eat away at our understanding and even our empathy. In a debate as contentious as the one surrounding immigration policy in the US, terminology is powerful and it carries a lot of political Im implications. Illegal immigrant, unauthorized immigrant, undocumented immigrant, illegal alien, migrant, non-citizen, whatever words are used don't change the fact that people are suffering and dying from inhumane conditions at our borders. The words definitely have an impact. They, they steer our hearts and our minds in a certain direction. I was considering this in contrast to the power that words can have to create. In my cell a few weeks ago, somebody prayed for someone else in such a way that I was deeply moved. I wasn't even the one being prayed for. But it was like the words that she prayed were creating something beautiful, like right in front of me. And I was just being witness to it, um, and it, it, it almost caught my breath. Like, like seeing a rainbow. Do you remember the rainbows that happened like a few weeks ago? A lot of people were posting them on Instagram, but for some reason I couldn't find them. You remember? I, I was searching all my friends, like, who saw one of those rainbows? I remember seeing a bunch of them. So I couldn't find a picture for us today, but you know what that's like when you look up and suddenly you see the rainbow in front of you. It was like that. Like, it was exciting. I felt blessed to catch a glimpse of it. The, the misty rain with the brilliance of light created something beautiful. It was an example of words being generative and life-giving. Our tongues have the power to create and to revive and to restore as much as they have the power to destroy. And James knows that too. In his letter, he speaks about, of our connection to the very word of God, the creator who spoke us into being. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of lights in whose character there is no change at all. He chose to give birth to us by his true word. And here's the result. We are like the first crop of the harvest of everything he created. It's James 1, 17 and 18. We are the first of the new creation in Jesus. Human beings are made through life in Christ and the word he planted in us so that we can keep reproducing. The crop multiplies. His word reproduces life in us and in the world around us. And the world around us was created by God speaking the cosmos into being. With every word God spoke, another part was created, giving shape to a world that was made to keep making, reproducing the creation that came from his word that was filled with his breath. So at the same time that our tongue is a world of evil at work in us, like James says, it's also a world of good. 
with the power to recreate. We have so many words in us and so many ways to say them. And with social media, we have so many new realms in which to speak them. Uh, when James talks about our words and our tongues, he's cautioning us to consider the power they have. And as I've been looking for how the Spirit of God is moving this week, I've seen the Spirit of God at work in the words of encouragement and wisdom and mutuality and hope, in vulnerability and in faith. I've heard about the healing power that words, um, of words that communicated that someone is seen and their pain is acknowledged. I have experienced the restoration of, that comes through the words, I forgive you. I know what it's like to be buried under the weight of embarrassment and shame for something I said and how I behaved. And I needed those words to be free, to move on from condemnation. James urges us in verses 19 through 21, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get, all, get rid of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I think the Spirit of God is at work through our words in generative, life-giving ways that, that maybe sometimes we're not even aware of. When we're moving with the Spirit, God is acting in and through us to bring life. We're cooperating with the new creation. I'm counting on that every time I get up here to speak. Part of living as a new creation is that we use the gift of speech to cooperate with the Spirit. And I think that Spirit-led living is not magical or astounding. It's usually straightforward and it's often subtle and extremely practical, like in moment-to-moment -moment choices of how and what we speak. Keeping in step with the spirit has to be learned and practiced in our speech. It's that simple. And some of us might be looking for God to do big things in our lives and in the world and might miss the fact that the spirit's leading us to cooperate with God in life-giving speech. We can end up floundering around in our spiritual lives looking for something dramatic and life-changing and, and miss listening to the prompting that God is giving us to speak as those speaking the very words of God. Let us be slow to speak and quick to listen. What, what if we asked God to speak through us every day? What if we trusted that when we come to our cell or when we show up in this meeting, we're bringing the content 
that whatever's stirring in us can reveal what God is doing. I hope that we can listen to the little promptings that God is giving us, even tonight in this meeting, so that we can practice this discipline in our lives. James reminds us that the word of God, the word of life, is planted in us. And when out of the mouth comes praise to our God and Father and cursing, this should not be. The things that are said in secret or put out back like they're nothing can still do damage. It can still take on a life of their own, creating a world of evil in us and in the world if we let them smolder. James knows that we are created to create, given life to give life. And he's calling us to be our true selves through taming our tongues. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. We are made to produce life-giving speech. The word that was breathed into us is carried on through the Spirit of God in our words. We don't need to be specially trained professionals or articulate speakers. We have the Spirit of God in us. We have the power to minister to one another or the power to alienate and harm, to trust, to build, break trust, excuse me, or to build it, to hurt or to heal. So let's keep asking the Spirit to move in us to use that gift for life. Let me pray for us. God, may we be people who are characterized by life-giving speech. May we find ways to speak truth in love and to participate in your healing, your forgiveness, and your redemption of the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.